Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. This is Sunday Edition with Anthony, a news magazine show featuring human interest, in the spotlight, movers and shakers, and the news and happening that affect all of us in and out of the ACB community. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another Sunday edition. I'm your host, Anthony Corona, and this is Couples. Once a month, we do a show highlighting ACB couples, and I will be taking a hiatus from the couple show for the next couple of months and doing a series focusing on parenting. Look for it in December. We'll have Eric and Rebecca Bridges, Ron and Lisa Brooks, and I believe Terry Pacheco, Although I think I need a little bit more wrangling and we're going to focus on parenting at all stages. And then we'll get into some issues, whether it be parenting blind or parenting of blind. Anyway, it is a wonderful Sunday and I am very happy to say that later in the show, I'll be joined by Chris and Marvelina Gray. That should be a fun conversation. And Jeff and Carrie Bishop. But starting out our conversation, I have what I think might be an ACB radio exclusive, if not a ACB in general exclusive. I'm here with Janet and Terry Dickelman. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, Anthony. Thank so glad you. to be here. So a lot of us have heard of Mr. Dickelman. We hear about what it's like for Mr. Dickelman during convention planning time, but not many of us have gotten the pleasure of getting to know him. So Terry, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. And I want to start. Absolutely. I want to start off with how Janet and Terry met each other and how the beautiful love affair blossomed. Do you want to tell the story or do you want me to? Uh, I'll start. You fill in like you always do. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) We met at a party uh, of a mutual friend of ours. And uh, I went over and sat by Janet and we were just talking and the conversation turned to birds. This is where I always jump in and say the woman who had the party had a canary. That's why the conversation turned to birds, just as a point of explanation. (laughs) <laughs> this is why I love doing couple shows. Go on, Terry. <laughs> so Janet had said that she she always wanted to get a canary until she found out how much work it could be. And I said, well, how much work can it be? It's a bird. And she <laughs> said, well, you have to feed it a particular diet at a particular time in order for it to retain its brilliant yellow plumage. And I said, oh, please forgive me this next question, but what the hell do you care what color the bird is? You're blind. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, she decided she liked me. I said, well, at least he has no hangups about my blindness. This is a good deal. Okay. And And then she actually pursued me. Well, Kinda. Oh, let's hear about let's hear about that. I guess it was um intense attraction at first tweet. <laughs> yes, that's right. It, it was. It was. 
<laughs> well, we, we started talking and he was a little hesitant because I was just ending a relationship with someone. The relationship was over, but there were still some entanglements and he didn't want to be involved with someone until the relationship was totally over. That's pretty respectable. Yes, did you tie up those entanglements pretty darn quickly to get oh, out? With they, were, they were tied up. They just weren't totally tied up. Gotcha. It's just someone <laughs> someone I was dating and I knew the relationship was over, but he wasn't quite certain about it. Uh, one of those. Yep. So how long did it take to get to the first date? The well, first official date? Our first date was he was rehabbing a house. So our first date was my coming over to his house, sitting there while he was putting tile down and giving him suggestions on how to lay tile, which of course I know nothing about, but I just had, you know, had to throw in my two cents worth. So he still went out with me after that. But I always say he didn't feed me. He gave me a couple beers and I sat on an old chair that he had, I found out after the fact. I had, I had picked it up off the curb. <laughs> it was free. You know, I didn't realize at that point in time quite what a fancy lady Janet was and I think if she would have known that I picked it up off the curb, I wouldn't have she sat would have on chosen that. to sit on the floor. Yes, yes. <laughs> you're correct about that. <laughs> so, you know, I don't often get um, a fully sighted person and, you know, someone who is visually impaired on the show in the couple's perspective. So would you mind if I asked you a little bit about those early days, what sort of thoughts or reservations you may have had? And did you guys actually have conversations about how it all worked? And, and you know, I mean, Janet is an extremely independent and uh, very capable lady. So I'm sure pretty early on you figured out she uh, did everything she needed to do all by herself. Oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm like, <laughs> really grateful for that because I'm not one to be at someone's beck and call. <laughs> no, so, uh, that was good. He's a burned out social worker. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. And he doesn't want to yep. help anybody. <laughs> no, I don't want to help anybody anymore. What was the most surprising thing in the early days getting to know her and, and understanding, you know, the different modes of mobility and, and the way we have to interact? I often say to my sighted family and friends that, you know, what takes you one step often takes us at least five and we have to think through everything we do. What surprised you early on about Janet and, and her visual impairment? Well, I think I was just sort of agog watching her and just seeing how she did things. I, I had never been around someone who was blind before not a lot there was a older gentleman in my neighborhood when i was growing up who was blind and he would make bird houses and bird feeders and he brought me down to his his wood shop and showed me all of his tools that were in braille and i was just fascinated but uh i never spent a lot of time being around a visually impaired person. And it was interesting to me the way she sort of flowed through life, even though she couldn't see things. 
And at first I would always be like, okay, there's three steps uh, down, uh, you know, five steps up or something like that. And, and (laughs) she looked at me once and said, I've been on this earth for X many years and I haven't killed myself yet. And, (laughs) uh, and then just seeing how she sort of senses things with her body where her feet are, where, you know, her, her hands are, are sort of not really out, but they're like little antenna and, uh, just kind of getting clues from what's around. And I was just amazed at how well she could maneuver around in the world and then just different things like I never really thought about how a blind person might handle money she took cabs all the time and I don't think anybody's ever ripped her off thankfully but you know she showed me that she folds her money in different ways depending on the denomination and you know that's something that I would never have to think about and also like when she pours her tea, you know, how do you know when the cup is full and just stuff like that. I think the weirdest thing for you to get used to was to be, to turn lights off when you walked out of a room when I was still in there. Oh, (laughs) yes, I was. (laughs) I still have a problem with that. In fact, when she goes out in the evening, I will turn on the lights in in the living room and whatnot when when she's coming home. It it doesn't matter to her, but it kind of matters to me. It just seems like a polite thing to do. (laughs) Oh, that's absolutely lovely. I appreciate it. And I'll I'll, uh, impart a little hint. You know, when we have our own cups, we can tell by the sound and so on and so forth. And it takes a little experimentation. If you give us a brand new cup, you know, maybe we'll dip just the tip of our pinky, make sure we wash our hands first, but we dip the tip of our pinky to make sure it's a lot of trial and error. But I love that. Absolutely love that. He learned (laughs) he had to stay out of my way when I'm running around the kitchen because I'm moving. Yeah, that's definitely. Oh, Yeah. Oh, one time a friend was over and it just happened to be one of those times when we were kind of out of sync and I I found myself having to jump, you know, this way and that to move out of her way. It was like some weird marionette dance. <laughs> and our friend was laughing at us, but I'm like, it's okay, do this all the time. So we had a home rehab first date with uh, questionable seating, which is fun. We did, uh, yep. Then we things, went out for dinner. Yeah, the next day, things. he didn't feed me that first date. He gave me a couple of beers, but that was it. Hey, don't sneeze on a couple of beers. It's a fun I, night I, for hey, me. I still went out with them. <laughs> things obviously well, in my in my defense, I you know I, I I was a bachelor and I was in this house that I was rehabbing and living in at the same time, and that just wasn't entertaining. Wasn't really high on my priority list. I'm sure you've learned a lot about entertaining over the years, though. <laughs> I certainly have He's from Janet. <laughs> So tell us, as things progressed, um, Janet, I always ask the ladies, what was the proposal like? The proposal was wonderful. We went out to dinner at one of our favorite restaurants, and um, he did the whole get down on one knee and, you know, said wonderful things to me about how I'd enriched his life and how he couldn't imagine life without me. And 
gave me a beautiful ring and it was wonderful. And I told him, I said, all right, before we do this, I said, you know, I said, I'm saying yes, but I said, you have, in my case, I said, you have three people you have to call about this. Of course, my dad and I had a stepdaughter. He gave who, me a quarter. Who, yes. Who said, who, no, who asked if you had a quarter. Oh, whoa, that was it. Okay. Yeah, he said, you got a quarter? Yeah, you can have her for a quarter. Now we know where Janet gets the humor. (laughs) (laughs) You were saying about a stepdaughter? I had a stepdaughter, yes. Unfortunately, we've lost touch with each other. But I said he had to call her because her dad, my husband, had passed away a few years before Terry and I met. And I felt like, and then my son. So he had to make three phone calls before it was official. And then you blended everything. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> you obviously fooled them well, charmed yep. them well. And then we got engaged in May and got married that September because <clears throat> we figured, what are we waiting for? And his dad was ill and we wanted him to be able, we hoped he was able to be at the wedding. Unfortunately, he wasn't. But so we had a beautiful fall wedding. Hmm. And it was how many years ago, honey? Uh, 19. Very good. Okay, you passed. <laughs> <laughs> I always make him answer that question. How was blending of the, uh, you know, the stepdaughter and the son and and coming together all, you know, as a family? That's one thing that I really appreciate about Terry. He and my son get along famously. They pick on each other constantly, but my son will come to him for advice. Terry is a woodworker. My son, he got my son involved in woodworking and um, they share tools and ideas and, you know, they, they get along really well. In fact, after our wedding, Kevin, my son, came up to us and said, Daddy Dickelman. <laughs> and he was, a, he was a teenager. He had just graduated from high school when, when Terry and I got married. So he wasn't, you know, a young child, but they've always gotten along very well. Well, that's really nice. That yes. was the question I was going to ask. So I guess, you know, you had honeymoon and empty nest kind of going on around the same time. That must have been a lot of fun. Well, yes. Actually, my son had been with his dad for a few years, and he actually moved home with us after he graduated from high school, just before we got married. So I went to empty nest with just me to having Terry and Kevin around. So kind of did it in reverse, but it worked out fine. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about your ECB journey, Janet. And then, Terry, I've got a bunch of questions for you. Can you remind (laughs) everyone how you became what I love to call convention mama bear, but um, how you became, (laughs) you know, the convention mama? Well, let's see now. In 2007, when the convention was in Minneapolis, I ended up being on the convention planning list committee And I had never attended a national convention, but I figured, well, it's here in my backyard. And I had just been elected president of the ACB of Minnesota affiliate. So I thought I better attend. And I kind of got bitten by the convention bug. I I helped out at the information desk. And then the person who was doing the information desk was unable to continue starting in 2009. So I was asked if I would coordinate the information desk, which I did for a couple of years. And then I received a phone call from Carla Rushville, the prior convention coordinator. And she said to me, has Mitch Pomerantz talked to you yet? And Mitch was the president of ACB at the time. And I said, 
no, why? What? And she said, well, we'd like to know if you'd like to be the convention coordinator. And I'm like, what? The convention coordinator? And she said, yeah, in 2011, you'd be vice coordinator with me. And then in 2012, you'd take it over. And I got off the phone and I said to Terry, I said, wow, honey, they asked me to be convention coordinator. What an honor. And he goes, well, how much work is it? And I said, well, I don't know, but what an honor. I can't believe that they think I could do this little old me convention coordinator. Wow, this is really something. Because how much work? So we went back and forth. What an honor. How much work is it? What an honor. How much work is it? Then I found out how much work it was and realized it wasn't an honor. No, unlike I, I love doing it. Yeah, unlike the canary. Yes, like the canary. But so I've been convention coordinator since did vice in 2011 and have been doing it on my own since 2012 and for months actually all year but especially for 6 8 months i just basically live and breathe convention so i think everybody wants to know you've told you know quite a few anecdotes along the way you know terry will fetch you water to make sure that you you know you're properly hydrated when in those last uh, crunch months and a lot of fun stuff but i think everybody would love to know terry Every year, it's a cycle, and, and this woman deals with phone calls from, I would imagine, 7 o'clock in the morning to 10, 11 o'clock at night. Is it routine now, or does it still kind of like, oh, man, we've got to get all geared up for convention season? What's, some, what's it like to be on the other side, to be the spouse? You know, I think the first year was really the hardest because I had absolutely no idea, you know, how, how, neither did she, how much work it would be. And, and it's a lot. And she was on the phone all the time and it was kind of making me crazy. And, you know, after that first year, I realized, well, okay, this is what it's going to be like it did take me a few years to really get into the swing of things as a routine of our life during that part of the year but really it's all year but now it's just like oh yeah Janet's on the phone oh she's on the phone again oh we're going out to eat she's on the phone uh, <laughs> and it's just it's like she she was born with a phone in her ear. It's just she's she's always on the phone, always talking to somebody. And it just amazes me. I am amazed at her capability to remember things, at her organizational skills. And sometimes I wish she wouldn't remember things about me. But <laughs> I can't help it that I've got a better memory than you and a long memory. No, you she has she has a very long memory and she's very long suffering with me. But, you know, I've become accustomed to it. It's still difficult. There was an adjustment period because, you know, all of a sudden I sort of felt left out or neglected, not so much left out, I guess, but neglected because she was spending so much time trying to do this work for the convention. And finally, I just had to say, I got really angry one time. I hope you don't mind if I 
no. tell this. She was on the phone and I needed to talk to her about uh, something. I had a dog and I think he was not doing well. She was just on the phone constantly and I couldn't get her attention. And finally, I just literally jumped up and down and screamed something about that I needed her attention and why did she always have to be on the GD phone? And I said, I think when it comes to family stuff and, you know, when I'm dealing with my beloved dog and whatnot, I need to be the priority. And she agreed. I mean, I give her lots of space to do her convention stuff. And, you know, I don't think she realized early on, and I didn't realize uh, early on that, you know, it was kind of taking a toll on me in that way. And finally, I realized that I needed more from her. And she realized that too. And, you know, we're able to work it out. Janet and I always work things out. Yep. I have tried to, you know, and he understands more too that, you know, he'll say, can't you just ignore the phone? You know, we're watching something on TV or this is going on. Like, you know, it's much easier for me just to take a call, get it done, and then not have to try to call somebody back and reach out to them later. He has realized that, yes, it's, you know, and I, I said to him at one point, you know, you say you want to be supportive of me during this, then you're just going to have to sometimes understand that we can pause our show and go back to it in five minutes, but it's easier for me just to take the call. He's gotten good about that, too. And, you know, you don't, you're used to it. Now. I learned where the pause button was. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I would definitely like to take the opportunity on behalf of all of ACB to say thank you. It's got to be frustrating at times. And I don't know if you've ever been given the opportunity to understand how many of us absolutely love, adore, are so wonderfully happy that she's our convention coordinator and that she's our friend. She's in our life. Janet is an incredible, incredible lady. And that you know because you're married to her. But on behalf of ACB, thank you for giving her the space to do what she does for all of us. It, it really does absolutely mean a lot. She is an incredible woman, and I'm so proud of her and so glad that she agreed to marry my stupid butt. Uh, <laughs> But, you're a work but, in yeah. progress, but you're lovable. <laughs> no. I am. Well, we all, you know, she always said she got me at the scratch and dent store. No returns. No returns. <laughs> I mean, we have so many things that we're totally opposite on. I am a jump out of bed in the morning. I'm up at, you know, if I sleep till six o'clock, I've slept in and I'm running. But come 10 o'clock, that's it for me. He is. Oh, I'd be up till two or three in the morning, but don't talk to me until, you know, I've got to be awake for at least two hours before I can have a conversation. So, you know, that's just, just yeah, we have a rule around the house yeah, no for talk, me, no hours. talk, two hours. Well, know your lanes and, and yep. work around them and work through them. And absolutely. 
he is not at all organized. Although I will say that if I say, hey, do you know where the box of chicken breasts is in the freezer? And he'll say, it's on the second shelf on the left-hand side. He may have piles of stuff all over his den, but he knows where everything is. It's not my kind of organization, but it's it called organization of place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to organize their place in that room. We're funny. I'm, I want to get things done. I want things to be done yesterday. And he likes to ponder and meander and he'll get it done eventually. But why rush? But it works. Opposites attract yep. and make a beautiful, absolutely, make a beautiful picture. It's the so, yin and the yang. Yep. Yeah. Terry, can you tell us all these phone calls, all these, you know, moving parts that Janet is responsible for, or at least has to oversee? Are there ever times when you hear the phone go off and then she just screams or, you know, a, a slew of inventive, beautiful <laughs> words comes out? <laughs> Are there frustrating moments where you're like, whoa, I'm going to stay out of the room for five minutes and let her get it all out? <laughs> no, actually, she doesn't do that too much. She will scream, but, you know, I mean, but it's not like she's a lunatic or anything, you know, she'll just go, ah, you know, I'm so frustrated. And then uh, a lot of times I'll be like, well, that was an interesting call. And then I'll get a story about how crazy or I can't think of the word right now, but you know, when people are not being very cooperative, yeah. When they're being difficult. And sometimes uh, there's some zany stories that go along with that. What's it like the week that she's actually at convention? How do you guys navigate being, you know, apart and knowing that, you know, basically she's going to be on for at least 10, if not, you know, 15, 16 hours every day for that week? Yeah, 15, 16 is closer to uh, (laughs) the truth. It's difficult for me. I got to be honest, because I'll only get literally just a few minutes stolen here and there. If I get called twice a day when she's at the convention, that's a lot. I usually get called at the end of the day when she's like, Oh, honey, you know, I just got back to my hotel room. I've done this and this and this, and I'm just so exhausted. You know, love you, good, good night. night, goodbye, I love you. Or I and, do feel bad. And, he'll, he'll call me or I'll call him and I'll talk to him for like 30 seconds. And then, you know, somebody comes up and needs my attention. And of course, you know, I am there to do a job. So during convention, I just have to say, okay, bye, honey. Talk to you later. <laughs> And I just kind of have to accept it. And he's learned. One time, this wasn't at the convention, though. This was when you were in D.C. But the same thing sort of happened. And and I'm like, oh, wow, she's calling me at at an odd time. This is really fun. So I answered the phone and I'm like, hi, honey, how are you? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I fell. I think I broke my wrist. I'm like, oh. Yeah. I said, don't freak out, but I'm at the hospital. And you kept on going, though. Yep. (laughs) How about the week after convention? 
do we swing right back to normal or does it take a while to to readjust it takes me a uh, while because i feel like i you know i've been so frenetically crazy busy i don't know how to relax after the convention well i never know how to relax because i don't i just i'm not a relax type person i have to come down from it and i think you have to get used to have a need you being around yeah is it a renewal yeah, is like a honeymoon peri- period every year it's mostly uh janet just sleeps on the couch <laughs> not, <laughs> not because she has to sleep on the couch but because just... she's sitting there and just falls asleep yep <laughs> well i can imagine how much that void must be for that first week but also at the same point in time your body's like wow i can relax I can I read can, a book. I can, I can just actually read and fall asleep on the couch. <laughs> yeah, go for a walk. Wow. And I keep waiting for the phone to ring. Yeah. <laughs> well, I am sure that uh, it is started to ring already. We're oh, going to yeah. have another virtual convention. Was it different this year? And I would love to hear from Terry's perspective. Once the decision was made for the, you know, last year that it was virtual, what kind of conversation happened after that fateful board meeting slash phone call, et cetera? Well, for me, I think the hardest part was that not knowing period. Are we going to have a virtual convention? Are we going to be able to go to the physical place. That was hard for me because it was hard for Janet. And with everything being all up in the air, you know, she's a planner, she's an organizer, and you can't plan around I don't know. Yeah. So that was difficult when, you know, she was stressed because for her having to switch gears from doing something that, you know, she had now has years of experience with and then totally flip it into a realm where little experience being virtual, that was, she was kind of like learning again. She was very, very stressed. There was a freak out um, period. Yeah. All of her hair that she pulled out has grown back now. So (laughs) it's, it's better. Did you get a chance to look at some of the programming that that did happen this year at virtual? Me? Yes. No. All right. No, I kind of, you know, it's kind of not my thing. I don't. I'm very much a introvert and kind of a loner, and that's why nobody knew I actually existed for quite a number of years. Years. Well, I like to have fun with the couples that come onto the show. So I'd like to do a couple of questions back and forth about how you interact. And um, we already figured out who's messy and who's neat. And we've already heard who does more of the planning and who does more of the following, which is a beautiful (laughs) thing. So who's the better cook? Oh, I think we're pretty evenly matched. I think so, too. I think he's maybe more inventive than I am. I came to cooking late in life, but, you know, I figured it out eventually. And yeah, he, when... he came to cooking late in life because he was at home and I was working and he finally realized, you know, it probably is a good thing for me not to ask my wife when she comes home from working what's for dinner. 
<laughs> it took him yeah, a few so. years to come up with that, but he did. Well, better late than never. That's right. And then when I retired, I said, well, now that I'm retired, I can, you know, we can split the cooking. And he said, well, I kind of enjoy doing it. And I said, oh, okay, fine. But that we works, do. man. It kind of <laughs> works out that we do, you know, half and half, I'd say, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. We don't really, you know, it, it's not like, okay, you cook on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, and I'll cook on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But, you know, we just kind of do our own things. And then there's a lot of those days where you're like, well, what are we going to have for dinner tonight? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, let's order out. Yeah. 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 I love those days myself personally. What are, uh, what are some things that you guys do like to do together during, you know, that period where there is very little convention stuff to interrupt? Well, that never really happens, but uh, <laughs> we'd like to go out and eat and uh, we'd like to entertain at home. Have friends, big Viking fans, love Viking games. Nice. At least you guys have are to have on our, the same you know, team. Yes, have to have our yeah. Viking Day Bloody Marys and, you know. Yeah, we have our little traditions and I bring our popcorn every night. and. Yep, and he makes popcorn the old-fashioned way in the old kettle on the stove. So, so it's tasty. Yes. So one of my favorite couple's questions is, what have you learned about yourself because of your spouse. And I think I'll throw it to Terry first. I've learned I'm really not a patient person. And that Janet deserves so much better. <laughs> Don't take that to heart, honey. <laughs> no, <okay. laughs> I'm still a good catch. I'm still a good catch. I don't know. I think I would just have to say that in general, she's made me a better person. And you know, she's helped me to see how I can navigate the world a little easier uh, for myself and maybe a little kinder for other people. Janet, your turn. Well, I've learned, see, you know, it's funny you talk, he brings up patience. What my first thought was, I've learned that I have to be more patient because I have to deal with him. No, <laughs> I've learned that I can be a little less crazy about, you know, the house. All right. Well, I don't like all this stuff laying around, but I can live with it, you know, because that's kind of the way it is. I can, my standards have gone down because of him. No. <laughs> my standards have gone up. Gone up. Because so, of <laughs> <laughs> so see, it's a win-win situation. <laughs> Yin-yang, meet in the middle. That's Sounds right. like a beautiful That's thing. That's right. Sorry if I can put you on the spot again. What's one thing that you don't think ACB would know about Janet that we'd find interesting or fun or surprising? Oh, boy. Uh, well, that's what I was thinking. Oh, boy. I don't know. I think that My life's an open book. Pretty, pretty genuine and pretty authentic everywhere um that she goes gosh i'm i'm kind of stumped if oh, I, think man, of I was hoping I'll for like, something you know, like later. she was a secret poker shark or you know <laughs> she does uh tango dancing every every other thursday <laughs> no i don't sorry to disappoint <laughs> janet but, really uh, likes to read 
Janet yes. loves to travel. What are some of the best places you've been to together? Oh, we've done a lot of fun, all-inclusive vacations. I think we, we did a cruise to and around the Hawaiian Islands. That was that was a really cool vacation. We um, loved um, Costa Rica, did that. My idea of a great vacation is anything with a swim-up pool bar. Yeah, got to agree with you there. <laughs> Are you guys planning something for after COVID? What's the dream location to go to when all this is said and done? Well, uh, interestingly enough, uh, we just kind of had something fall in our lap where Janet's third grade teacher called and she's a travel agent and she was enticing us with a trip to Egypt. And Ooh, yeah. we're thinking about that very heavily. So wow. that would be really cool. Unfortunately, we had a Mississippi River boat cruise planned for, well, for September. And it was from New Orleans to St. Louis. And unfortunately, we had to cancel that. So we were very disappointed about that. But yeah, I don't know if this Egypt thing is going to come to fruition or not, but it sure sounds pretty intriguing. Well, you'll have a bunch of ACB people crossing their fingers that it happens for, yeah. for you guys. Janet, you have been so very open about how your life is with convention and stuff. Is there anything you want to say to the ECB members about, you know, the work that you put in or the love that you give to make this happen every year? And then Terry, when she's finished, I, I'm going to ask you the same thing from, from the spouse perspective. Well, I, as you said, you mentioned the word love. I love doing this convention. It is, oh, it's going to make me cry. I, I have to cry every convention because it's always, <laughs> I hope that it reflects that I put my heart and soul into this convention. And I, I love it. I just have so much fun. And yes, I have stress. Of course, it, it can be stressful. And there's times that I, you know, I'm, hitting my desk in frustration or, you know, get pulling out my stress ball, but I really enjoy doing the convention and it's so great just to, to get to know so many people. And I just, I really enjoy it. And it just melts my heart when we have people who talk about how much the convention means to them or who meet at the convention <laughs> spoiler alert it's a very very strong possibility that uh if janet will consent to getting ordained she'll get to marry a couple at convention that's <laughs> what <laughs> yep, yep you heard it here first that's what we're looking at wait for details you? in omaha absolutely how about you terry from your perspective what uh what do you want acb to know about janet and all the work and all the love she puts into it I want ACB to not call as much. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Now, don't scare people. They, you people, you really can call me. It's okay. Don't worry. Yes, it really is. And, and she loves you all. And I, I, Janet does love this. She is, she is committed to it. She doesn't do anything halfway. And when she says she puts her love into it, she does. And it's important to her that everyone has a good time and 
gets what they need when they're at the convention. And it's just, you know, it's kind of her life's work in a way. And I'm not real thick skinned. So, and it happens, of course, I always get, you know, obviously people are going to criticize and people get upset about things. And that just really that's hard for me to take, but it's, it's all part of the deal, obviously. And I, I spent my life before convention as a supervisor for the federal government. So I, I'm used to people yelling at me, but that always is upsetting. And she's quite, quite devoted and doesn't yeah. mind spending the time. And it's hours and hours and hours, just hundreds, maybe by the end of the convention, thousands of hours getting this coordinated. And it's not simple, but but she wouldn't have it any other way. And I don't know if I should say this or not, but it's a volunteer position. Yeah, it is. Yep. I've made such wonderful friends doing this. I mean, there's people who will be friends for life. Well, as I said earlier, you know, Terry, thank you so much for agreeing to come on and letting us get to know you a little bit. In a, in a nutshell, what uh, 19 years, it's a beautiful thing. The last 19 years, how would you sum it up? If you were writing wedding renewal vows, how would you sum up the last 19 years? It's been the best 19 years of my life, I could tell you that. The most, the most relaxed, the most fulfilling, the most filled with love, giving and receiving. And I, I wouldn't change it or trade it for anything. That's Agreed. beautiful. Agreed. Agreed? Yeah. Well, then let me, let me thank you again, Terry, for all of the phone calls, all of the moments where you wish you didn't have to pause the movie or the TV show, all of the dinners <laughs> that get interrupted, from the bottom of all of our hearts, thank you. And Janet, if I can be so bold as to speak for all of ACB, thank you so much for everything you do. You know, it's it's a beautiful thing every year. It comes together so well and, and it absolutely does show in all of the meetings and all of the preparation up to it, how much love and commitment you have for it. So on behalf of ACB, I definitely want to thank you. Thank and you. And I couldn't do it without a whole bunch of people who support and help me. Yeah. I'd ask you for the shout outs, but then I'd have to bump Chris and Marvelina. So yeah, you we'll would. Come... I'm sorry. I can't. <laughs> we'll have to come back during convention planning and uh, do all the highlights and what's a big shout out to? to my very own convention committee, though, who in the virtual life get a little, you know, we're not doing tours. We're not doing, you know, there's some, we're not getting volunteers. So some of my committee people, I don't get to interact with quite as much as in person as in an in-person convention, but you all know who you are and you know, I love you. Terry, thank you so much for joining me. And thank Janet, you. I will definitely expect you back when we have some real solid plans for convention this year, 2021 no, I virtually. I will be thank you. right back right after these quick promos. I need somebody. Let's face it, we are increasingly challenged to keep up with ever-changing technology. Would you like more help with how to use some tech device or equipment? How about programs and apps in your personal life and work? Consider joining Blind Information Technology Specialists. 
bits. Membership gives you access to our exclusive email list for exchanging ideas, getting sometimes hard-to-find technical assistance, online presentations, workshops, and tutorials, and our live chat sessions. To join, go to bits-acb.org or email treasurer at bits-acb.org. Welcome back. That was Janet and Terry Dickelman. What a fun interview that was. And now with me is Jeff Bishop with his lovely wife, Carrie. I've been wanting to get them on the show for a long time, so this is great. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Carrie. Welcome. Morning. <laughs> Good morning. So it's a couple show. I like to start out with um, how you guys met each other, your, um, you know, a little bit about your history, and then we get into some fun stuff. We talk a little about ECB and projects you might like. So who wants to start? How'd you guys meet? Uh, we met in college, actually. Wow. And started dating in uh, June, and then Carrie left on a LDS mission. Maybe you can talk about that in a minute, Carrie. In uh, like, like November, and we can talk a little bit about that, uh, too. So we met when we were going to college. Awesome. So LDS mission, did you actually leave the country? Mish, go on one of those that we hear about? I served as a sign language missionary. And usually you get transferred about every six months instead of uh, every two months with the foreign language missions. Because they have foreign language missions that are within the States. So I was one of the foreign language missionaries, which is I was doing sign language. They consider that a foreign language. And I served the first part of my mission in Modesto, California. And then transferred to uh, Visalia, California. I served also in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So if you don't mind giving our listeners a little bit of what is it like to serve and um were you teaching sign language or just looking for persons that spoke sign language to minister to? I did both. Actually, when you don't have someone, your goal is to have someone to teach. But when you don't have anyone to teach, it's a lot like being a service missionary instead of a proselyting missionary. Gotcha. With the in-state foreign missions, there's not always readily available people in the language you're teaching to be able to teach. So in the meantime, you do a lot of charity work and service work. So we did a lot of volunteer work in the deaf community. And we did a lot of um, volunteer work just in the regular community. And we taught sign language courses to like families, uh, people who are going deaf. When you don't have someone to teach, it's basically you're you're doing uh, service. Other service, yeah. Sure, and that's really true also of a lot of the missionary work that happens. If they don't have people to teach or whatever, then, then they'll do lots of service. So it's, it's really uh, pretty neat. Yeah, I've always thought that part was very beautiful. You're given that opportunity to give back, to find ways to communicate and to, you know, make relationships and and learn how to deal with different people, different cultures, et cetera, et cetera. I've I've always thought that missionaries had a really good leg up 
on some others of us because they've been exposed to a lot of different areas of life. But this is a couple of shows. So thank you for sharing that with us. You met and then not long after mission. So did you guys do the old fashioned letter writing and phone calls deep into the night kind of thing to get to know each other? We got to know each other pretty well before she left. We were pretty much seeing each other or talking every day and, and all of that. We grew pretty close to each other. And, but this is something that Carrie definitely wanted to do, and I supported it, um, of course. And so then she returned in June of uh, 1988, and we were engaged. We, we would write letters weekly. So she would tape them. First, she started sending letters, and then you know that had to stop because I didn't want people reading them. Yeah. So, so then she would tape them and that was kind of fun because it was great. We, I could hear her voice and, and she would record in different area, you know, different areas in her home. And when she had free time, she would take the recorder and uh, record things. It was fun. It was kind of a way of being able to get a glimpse into her world while she was serving. And you taped back or what did you, how did you send your responses back? I used a computer and wrote letters and then mailed them. Oh. Yeah. And uh, we did that throughout, uh, you know, the majority of her, her mission. It's funny. We have the notebooks of all the letters I wrote on the bookshelf. Those need to, we need to lose those someday. No. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. <laughs> one of them, Carrie kind of put them in two different notebooks. And one of them is like the first three to four months of, of her mission. And then the other one is the rest of it. So we, we didn't write as frequently, you know, uh, over time after a while, but because that was getting, getting kind of hard and I had school and work and, and, and all of that too. So, but yeah, she returned in, in, in June and we were married in October. So I'm definitely going to ask about the proposal, but before I ask that, can you each tell us one of the funniest or sweetest things that came out of the letters and tapes? Oh, wow. Oh, gosh. Um, I would have to go back and read. read no, you, know, you don't want to do that. But... <laughs> <laughs> I think that one of the sweetest things was just getting to know each other more in a less physical way, in a more spiritual and loving yeah. way, because it, it, it forced you to do that. You know, you didn't have each other there. You know, you couldn't reach out and touch them or, you, you know, hug them or whatever. So you had to you had to communicate at a different level. And, you know, with, with her serving as a, as a missionary too, it, it, the, the conversation had to try to be a little bit different too. Um, although that was a little hard because obviously we were both, you know, very much in love with each other. So it was an interesting situation, but uh, I think, you know, we, we also grew a lot together too during that time. Yeah. I can definitely relate to that. Um, you know, People know that I met Gabe at the conference in 2019, and, and we did a bunch of trips before I moved down here. But, you know, we got to know each other through email and phone calls, and it was deep, very deep. And we really knew a lot about each other. So I can, and I've always been a fan of all of those World War II dramas where the letters go back and forth, and the love holds, and it grows, and it gets stronger. Yep. So, Carrie, tell us about the proposal. Oh, the proposal. Well, <laughs> well, see, now we were, we, we were, we got engaged before she left, kind of, kind of, unofficially, unofficially. And so 
There was a way to do it. (laughs) Yeah, that unofficially. And while we didn't talk too much about it in letters and stuff like that, we knew when she returned it was gonna it was gonna be a thing. Yeah. So when I returned, he was very eager to start dating again. But when you're a missionary, you're not supposed to date. So I get off the airplane and he has already set up an appointment with my stake president yes. to get me released from my mission so we can go out on a date. Right. So, so, so I went nice. right from the airport to the stake president's office. Yeah. Now, see, this, I didn't know this when I got off the plane. This, it was, this, it was this got me, in, this got me in trouble with the family because normally this is something that her parents would have set up, you know, <laughs> and, and it's normally, you know, the, the next day or the next day after that or, you know, something like that. It's not normally that, that quick. And so I got a hold of the stake president and I said, sister, whatever. You, you, I don't know, know if you want to mention your maiden name, but yeah, because that no, that wasn't your maiden name. <laughs> no, but I'm saying you don't want to mention that. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Security. Yes, exactly. Okay, call you Gazette. That's fine. Okay, so I said, uh, you know, she's returning from her mission, and can we meet you to get her released? And and the stake president was like, well, why are you calling me? I said, well, I have a vested interest in getting him released, and I and I and he said, well. This is really inappropriate. I said, I don't really care how appropriate it is. (laughs) (laughs) So he goes, well, as long as it's okay with her family, that's then that's fine. So I said, it will be fine. He says, well, I'll call him and find out. I said, all right, fine. So I call Carrie's mom and I said, hey, I set up her appointment to get released at one o'clock. She lands at 10. So we can go get lunch and then we can take her over there. And she goes, you did what? And I said, yeah, I just figured I would help out. She goes, you're nuts. I thought, well, yeah, maybe. So we ended up going, what, we went to what, McDonald's or Burger King or something yeah. after. And I brought her flowers at the airport and, of course, forgot she was allergic to flowers. So that didn't work out too well. But uh, <laughs> and then uh, and she got released and then we went and saw. The Music Man, man uh, wow. which don't recall anything about it, because <laughs> we sat in the back and we ended up talking. We were in the very, very back row, tried to stay away from people and talked pretty much the whole time. We kept getting shushed. Yeah, we kept getting <laughs> shushed. And, uh, and then, and then uh, we, uh, we went and talked to uh, church leaders about it and... I asked her dad if I could marry her on that Monday. And now my family at that point was out of town in New York and they didn't really care for Carrie too much back then. So called them after told them that we got engaged and that was kind of an interesting situation. And uh, we went ring shopping and then the rest is history. Yeah. The way, the way he asked me to marry me, he turns to me and says, so when do you want to get married? (laughs) (laughs) because we'd already talked about it so much sort of indirectly through letters and also before she left and it was it was evident just from the you know the 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 messaging that was being sent back and forth that things were still good so and were you were you still in school i was working i wasn't in school cool in both yeah, I was kind of doing both, but I, but after we got married, I, I focused on work. And you got married in October. 
what was the, you know, mingling of things and, and building, you know, that first, uh, that first home together, like. It was tough. The first few years were challenging, you know, learning to live together. You know, we, we, we hadn't lived on our own prior to being married. And so there were some challenges in that and just learning to be a couple and all of that. So the first few years were a little, I mean, they were great, but they were also, you know, they had their ups and downs. I mean, I think that's pretty typical of any, of any couple. Yeah, and there was some guide dog jealousy that went on the first three months. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, yes. I had a shepherd uh, and she uh, she did not like any sort of uh, displays of affection, shall we say. Oh, uh, yes. Quite, Shepherds can be very territorial. <laughs> yeah. Very, so. She loved me before the before the wedding. She adored me. But then when we got married, she felt like I was encroaching on her. Her yeah, man. yeah, and she destroyed all of Carrie's stuffed animals and <laughs> oh. all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, and then we and then we moved to California, which was a disaster for us. But we found out that Carrie was uh, pregnant while we were living there, and then I moved back to Tucson, and we've lived there for pretty much until I moved to Washington to go to work at Microsoft. That we've been married, what, 32 years? Yeah. Wow. God bless. Carrie, you have full sight or are you visually impaired as well? I have full sight with yes. corrective lenses. I'm very, very, very nearsighted. I've got Coke bottle lenses. <laughs> yeah. If she takes her glasses off, she's practically blind. So going back a bit, was there any pause for you when you first started dating or, or getting to know that... Uh, you know, maybe this, maybe this would not be something or that there might be extra challenges. Did it, was it something that was a thought process or it just evolved all naturally and it worked out beautifully? It just evolved all naturally. I wasn't concerned about the blindness because I thought how independent Jeff was and his personality. Now I did have to deal with some of the preconceptions of blindness with some of my family because mm. they had uh, my grandmother had this thought that I would be like taking care of Jeff the rest of my life and it's like you don't want to have to date someone you're gonna have to take care of and I'm like I'm not gonna have to take care of him he's taking care of me you know I'm gonna be the traditional housewife he's gonna and she didn't see how that was possible, but my mom, because she knew Jeff very well and knew how independent he was. And she talked to my grandma and said, you know, it's not like it used to be, you know, things are so much more accessible for the blind now with technology. And there's some, so much more that the blind can do. And my mom was telling my grandma how Jeff used to water ski and ride his bicycle and and she went into extreme detail and brought my grandmother around. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Yep. And I'm sure grandma came around pretty easily after, after spending some time with Jeff. He's, uh, he's one of our brighter ones <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so you um, have kids, you have 32 years marriage in. I know that Jeff has been pretty open with ACB about his diabetes and, and about his journey recently. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and what it does 
to a marriage and, and how you get through it when you face a challenge like that? That was very scary when he got diagnosed with diabetes. It was very frightening because my dad had diabetes and he did not take care of his diabetes and ended up with dementia. So when he got diagnosed with diabetes, that really terrified me. That he, he, Jeff being the go-getter he is, he took very good care of his diabetes. And then in remission now he's he's lost what is a hundred and thirty plus pounds thirty plus pounds and that itself is is worthy of a moment of saying congratulations all the hard work you have to mentally prepare yourself you have to physically prepare yourself you have to live with your family and and watch their concern and and know all these things all these layers so definitely a moment of congratulations And Carrie, please feel free if there's anything you want to say to all of ACB or to Jeff in front of all of ACB about the journey. Please feel free to take a moment. Well, we we have done the same thing. We've both been diabetic. Um, I'm in remission as well. So we've been taking this journey together. Yep. Oh, congratulations. I didn't know. We did it together. So she's she's been losing a bunch of weight too. And and, uh, we did it as a couple. So it makes it a lot easier to be honest with you as far as eating and preparing meals and, and, you know, sticking on a path when you have both of us doing it. Yeah. 110 pounds. I still got a ways to go on, but you're doing great. I'm doing good. Uh, my diabetes is in remission and I just got the clearance from my cardiologist. What was it? Two days ago. Yeah that I don't need to return because I'm completely off my blood pressure meds. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Okay. Congratulations. Yeah, kudos. So tell us a little about the family. We have two children, uh, David and Brian. David lives with us here in Washington, and my son Brian lives back in Tucson. Uh, He'll be coming out to visit us for Christmas, which is going to be great. And uh, so we're, we're real excited about that. Both of them are, are very much technology, you know, oriented very, you know, much into that uh, and gaming and the typical, typical boy slash man thing. I still think they're kids, <laughs> I think they all but uh, you know, my son works, uh, my son, Brian works at Intuit as a data analyst and, and David our son here lives with us, me and Carrie. So yeah, they're doing great. Awesome. And now let's, uh, let's dive into ACB. Jeff, you are uh, heavily involved with ACB radio. Of course you're, um, you're all over the map, actually. I'm um, on the board and all kinds yes. of things. What's your favorite hat that you wear for ACB? And, uh, you know, what's your pet project as well? Uh, I'm just really happy to, to serve and make, and try to make a difference, whether that's, you know, serving on committees at the board level. ACB radio is probably my, my favorite project and, or things centered around it. I also have a, a, a development background and, you know, getting apps and getting, getting strategic planning done for, you know, our IT initiatives and, and the work that we do at the server level. But it's also important to mention that it's not just me. It, we have an entire team of people. There's no I in team, and we have an entire team of people that if we didn't have that, we wouldn't get the work done. 
So it's not about me. It's just, I'm just one individual and frankly, probably one of the least important of the team because it's really a, a team effort. But I wouldn't want to really have any of the pieces missing, to be honest with you. That's what makes it special. It's uh, yeah. being able to work together and, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes it, it can be a little challenging just because there's, you know, the human factor, but that's okay. Um, I think you have that regardless of, of what you're working on. So, but it's great just being able to, to work together and, and move the ball forward. I think it's, it's pretty exciting. So, Carrie, I know um, I'm sure a bunch of listeners are probably wondering, do you ever get to that moment where you're like, you cannot say yes to anything else? <laughs> I know, you know, multiple times a week, Jeff is on five o'clock or six o'clock in the morning meetings because of the east, west, coast, you know, time difference, et cetera. Do you ever get to that point where you're like, please don't say yes to anything else? <laughs> An occasion, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to say no. I'm finding I'm having to. Just because there's there's so many, you know, things to do and too few hours in the day to get them done, and so I don't, you know, it's 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 honestly getting a bit easier to say no, but it is difficult. Uh, you want to you want to be able to try to do as much as you can. I was on two calls already this morning, even before we did our interview here. So, yeah, just busy times. Like COVID has made him more busy instead of less busy because he's like, oh, I have this extra time that I don't have to commute. Yeah. How about when the convention, you know, when it was finally announced that and the planning had to be all adjusted, that it was going to virtual? I mean, Jeff, you were kind of all over the place in, in that in, in the best way possible. But, you know, you were really an instrumental part. So did that really take, you know, a toll? And what was it like the week after when everything was finally finished? I, I pretty much didn't do anything that week after. <laughs> I, I did a few days of just doing absolutely nothing. I completely unplugged as much as possible from absolutely everything. I mean, it was very, very much, very draining. He needed um, about a week to catch up on sleep. Yeah, it was, it was a little rough. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, and I, I still had to work my day job. So, you know, I would finish work and then I, I would go crash. I mean, I just went to bed and slept. Yeah, he uh, was going to bed at seven o'clock at night. Yeah, I was, I was really tired. But uh, yeah, and we're going to do it all again next year. So here we go again. Yeah, we have more time to plan this time around. So hopefully there won't be as much of the last minute, you know, 12, 13, 14 hour stretches of, of people just really trying to bang it out. Carrie, I'm wondering from your perspective, what did you think of the convention and uh, all the hard work that was put in? Oh, it was awesome. There's so many things going on. It was hard to choose. Yeah. And, but I did miss, I missed actually meeting and greeting people. You know, that's something that's been extremely difficult for me with the COVID is just, you know, not being able to see people in person. Yeah. So you were saying that the, the convention was awesome. You really uh, enjoyed looking at the finished products. I'm sure Jeff's been podcasting and putting, you know, putting it all into archive form. Did you get to go back and see some of the stuff you missed? Actually, no, I haven't. We've been pretty busy. We've been really busy with, you know, lots of things going on here too, after convention and, and all of that. So it, it was good. And, and we're going to be doing that all again next year. So, you know, yeah. well, so much planning now we're, we're hoping to streamline 
you know, quite a bit, but there will still be, you know, probably 16, 16 hour days again. So I'd like to have a little fun with my couples. If I can ask you a couple of fun questions and I will start off with who is the better cook? Oh, no, that's easy. <laughs> oh yeah. That's, that's a piece of cake. That's Carrie. <laughs> yeah. I, I burn water. So Jeff's idea of cooking a meal is ordering DoorDash. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's that's a great cook. That's a great meal for me. <laughs> yes, exactly. Who's more stubborn? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. That's a close tie. I don't know. I think we both are. And and it depends on and the topic. Sometimes that can be a challenge, but one of the principles we try to live by is we don't go to bed angry. That doesn't help. Absolutely. That's- you just need to take a couple minutes and then come back to it. Yep. Yeah. And sometimes you're really, really frustrated with someone. Sometimes you need a couple hours and come back. Yep. To it. <laughs> I'm learning that too, but in the best way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of always ask this one as well, and it's for both of you. What have you learned about yourself from being with each other? You know, we're alike in all the important ways but we're different and our personalities are a lot that we meld well together but our interests are very are varied so i think that's what's important is that the things that are important to you emotionally and spiritually it's good that you agree on that because then you won't fight much I don't think people necessarily have to have the same interests to get along well. I think you need to have the same values rather than the same interests because our interests are very different. You know, I'm the crafter, the into all things crafty, just into all things technology. So you don't have to exactly have the same, same interests to get along well together. No, I think I've learned really how to, to serve others better through, through Carrie's example. Cause it's something that Carrie does really, really well and very effectively and I admire it. And so it's forced me to, to really focus on that too. So I think that's something that, that I really admire about her. That's beautiful. I'm going to ask you guys one more. What is something about each other that would surprise ACB? Does someone sing in the shower? Is someone a secret reality TV lover? One what? quick fun what? thing. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff is always doing like karaoke around the house. I mean, he's he's on the phone singing. I can often I hear do. him singing from the other room. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like if I'm not if I'm not on a call or whatever, and I'm listening to music, I'll sing. Carrie loves her Netflix, and uh, she's very much a uh, crime junkie. It's all about watching anything related to that and paranormal, paranormal and crime and. <laughs> It's, I don't know. The show she finds, I don't know. I don't know where she comes up with this stuff, but I, I'm not a big TV. I'm not a really big TV watcher myself, but I'm more into podcast books and full time radio. But well, it's awesome when you can sit in the same room and do your own thing, but still be together. Absolutely. So, yep. Yeah. All right. Jeff and Carrie, I would like to thank you so much for joining Sunday Edition. And hopefully we'll have you guys back soon. I will be right back with another couple right after these messages. 
Do you remember BPI? Oh yeah, Blind LGBT Pride International. They're a special interest affiliate of ACB. Yes, they are the ones doing all these cool things at convention. Guess what they're up to now? Do tell. Their own show. It's called Pride Connection. That's great, but what if I'm not a part of the LGBT community? This is a show for everyone. Actually, non-LGBT and non-disabled folks are known as allies, and they are a huge portion of BPI's membership. Everyone is welcome. So what kinds of topics can I expect from Pride Connection? Fun and relevant topics for everyone, from blindness to LGBT education, technology to advocacy. So when will Pride Connection take place? Every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to tune in so we can all connect and learn while having fun. Pride Connection on ACB Radio Mainstream. Welcome back to Sunday Edition. There is a slight programming change. Chris and Marvelina Gray had a conflict, so I have asked my good friends, BPI members, Cheryl and Tim Cummings, to step in. I wanted to do them in January for the show, but they graciously at the last minute agreed. So welcome, Tim and Cheryl. Welcome to Sunday Edition. Nice to be here. Yeah, this is exciting as always. (laughs) Well, I hope you guys have listened to my couple shows so you have an idea of what's coming. I usually start off with, how'd you guys meet? Tell us about that magical moment. We actually met, and this is very nerdy. Any of the nerds out there, you put on your nerd hats. Uh, We actually met at a computer users group meeting. We have a local computer users group here in Boston that's been around for a long time, blind computer users group. So I was at the meeting and Cheryl showed up at the meeting because she had just come back after spending two years in the Peace Corps. She'd just come back to finish graduate school and realized that she was having problems with her computer. Oh, you're being modest. I turned the computer on and I'm like, what do I do now? (laughs) I couldn't, (laughs) I hadn't used the computer for two years and everything had like advanced, just like, just jumped ahead. And I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to catch up? Because I have to jump right back into graduate school and like finish work and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know how it works. And I was talking to a friend of ours and he's like, oh, we've got this computer group and you should come. So I went, I don't know, Tim, do you want to continue? After the meeting, there's what's called the after meeting meeting. And the Mm -hmm. after meeting meeting is where we go to some kind of watering hole somewhere and drink and eat and, you know, party basically. So I was sitting next to Cheryl at this restaurant and I, you know, I just found out she was in graduate school and I said, what are you studying? And she said, oh, I'm studying international relations. I said, oh, that's interesting. So we started chatting and chatting. And then what happened? I mean, so part of this was that my friend who brought me to the meeting was supposed to take me back to campus because I didn't know like how to get around in Boston at the time. And he's like, no, we're going to go to this after meeting meeting. So I was not like the happiest camper sitting there. And I was just like, oh, who's this guy asking all these questions? What is he going to stop? What am I going to go home? I've got so much work. But anyway, so I stayed, we talked, and then our mutual friend again, I called him up for my computer problems. He's like, no, 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 here, call Tim. So we started chatting that way. And then some friends came over for dinner, Tim was invited, and then we started hanging out and dating and and then one day he asked me to marry him. Well, we're definitely going to get to the proposal. <laughs> and I want to know 
about the first date, but I actually want to go back to the Peace Corps for a couple minutes, if you don't mind, Cheryl. That's something that I don't think a lot of visually impaired people get the opportunity to do. So could you tell us a little bit about where you were and, and what kind of work you were doing? I was in graduate school and I'd gone directly from undergrad to grad and realized that everybody else was a lot older. They've had experience and part of their experience had been working in the Peace Corps. You know, they weren't like super happy to see me, but at the same time, um, you know, I kept pointing to that anti-discrimination statement that they all have about anybody could apply and blah, blah, blah. And I basically pestered the Peace Corps for about a year. Um, I'd call them and say, hey, where's my placement? And I was living in D.C. at the time, and I'd show up at their office. Hey, where's my placement? And so finally they let me in and I was uh, sent to the Dominican Republic. Mm. I lived with my counterpart and his family. So my counterpart was, was also blind. And this was a, a nonprofit that had a mission of retraining farmers who'd lost their vision. And they initially wanted me to help them with like board development and a little bit of like in-country fundraising. And so I stayed with them for about a year. I, oh, I should say I lived in Santo Domingo. And of course, the person who taught me how to get around was my counterpart because he was blind. Um, and he showed me how to get around Santo Domingo and all the like, uh, that be the funny thing, like the hand gestures you have to use in order to like flag a car down if you needed to go anywhere or to get on a bus. And then, you know, other volunteers would show me like where the, the Kamado, where the, the, you know, the, like the neighborhood store was. They were confident that I was going to hurt myself and that I couldn't do it and et cetera, et cetera. I, you know, I survived. I'm here. I went there. No, I didn't get killed, you know, no accidents, you know, all the things people were concerned about. I learned enough Spanish to be able to function. As I said, I lived with my counterpart family for a year. And then the second year, I lived with a young couple that had some rooms that they were renting out in their house. And so I move in, I move in, and then they're like, oh, we have jobs that are going to take us out of Santo Domingo. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the house. Really? Yeah, exactly. So it was me and this other lady, another, she was a Dominican uh, woman, a student. Um, it's, they're like, you know, here are the keys to the house, you know, you know, don't, don't damage anything. <laughs> and, you know, we'll be back when we're back. And we're like, Oh, okay. So, so I mean, it was very nice. It was a, a, a nice house. And the one thing I, I admitted I could not do, which was like, I just, the washing of my clothes. I could manage, you know, my under things and that sort of stuff. But like the real, you know, washing of your dresses and jeans and blah, blah. I'm like, okay. So I did hire a person who came in and did my laundry for me. And you managed the rest of the house? You and, and this lady managed the rest of the house by yourselves? Yeah. I mean, that awesome. was, a, you know, it was, it, there wasn't much to do. I mean, you know, you had your room. I mean, and, and it was beautiful. It was, it was a really nice house. I wish you guys probably have these types of homes in Miami. We had like a little patio space that was sort of right in the center of the house. Yeah. yeah. It was beautiful. I was like, oh my gosh. 
And the work I did is, the, so I said the first year I worked with the, the nonprofit, and then the second year I was at the Secretary of Education, their special ed department. And I probably wasn't a very good worker because I'd sit at my desk and just go, well, how come I end up, at, how come I'm in an office? What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, but but we worked on um, some some nice projects. I mean, and, you know, there were definitely days when it was hard to do anything because there wasn't any electricity at all. Oh. So we'd go to work and then we'd all just sit at our desk and sort of watch each other and talk. And then the phone would ring and we'd talk some more. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, you know, we'd go home. <laughs> I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask the food. The food was fabulous, right? <gasps> Oh my gosh, yes, yes, absolutely. I love like beans and rice. Mm. There was a period where um, you could get eggplant. Oh my God, I love that. And oh, ice cream. Like the marinated fried, right? Oh, ice cream. Do you tell about that? Yes, yes. I want to say there was a place called Elado Bon, and you could go in and they had like any flavor you wanted. So delicious. It was fantastic. And then you could make beans so so that, you know, normally you'd have abichuelos, which were your beans and arroz, rice. But there was another time when you could make the beans sweet. So it was like a dessert. That was delicious, too. So Ooh, it's nice. it's a fun country. And then, you, you know, there's merengue and salsa. And oh, the dancing. <laughs> yes. So give us just a taste. What is what is the funnest thing or the or the most exciting thing you did while you're in the Dominican Republic? Uh when was I had a friend who lived like along the Haitian border and I can't remember what town it was, but she's like, Oh, why you come visit me? And I'm like, uh oh, by myself. <laughs> and, and so what I did is I went to the Peace Corps office and I found that there was a Peace Corps person heading up sort of her area. And she said, oh, we could travel together up to whatever this place is. And then I'll put you on the other bit of transportation and they'll take you like right into her, I don't know, campo or whatever. So, yeah, so we we started in Santo Domingo. We took a bus, got off someplace, spent the night at this um, hostel. And then the other person put me in, you know, helped me find and, and the other bit of transportation, which turned out to be a pickup truck with people <laughs> saying things like, oh, thank goodness the Siega can't see because these are dangerous roads. <laughs> as, I'm sitting, as I'm sitting on my backpack in like the back of the truck, you know, <laughs> the blind lady is happy she can't see too because we're going up, you know, and you're like, nah, this is very dangerous. I'm not sure Peace Corps would appreciate me being here, but so, and it was fun because it was an area that grew rice and I'd never had like totally fresh rice and we just sort of hung out and um i don't know it was it was a nice experience awesome so let's uh let's jump back on the jet and go back to boston how instrumental was tim in helping you out with the computer totally yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a joke that like i didn't know what to do <laughs> and and i also had at the time it was braille and speak 
and Tim was like the, the Braille and speak God. So he was very gracious in like answering all my questions about it. All right. So how about a first official date? What was that like? I think the first official date was, I think you invited me over for dinner. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. So, so the first day was she invited me over, uh, she invited me over to her, uh, her dorm, her yeah, the her dorm. dorm was it a dorm or was yeah, it yeah a, yeah yeah I mean it was dorm. graduate housing but graduate it was, housing there's a nice dorm. so she invited me over for dinner that was the first date but then the thing that kind of complicated things was she after she graduated she, her family lives in Chicago and so she was applying for jobs and she got a job in Chicago so she ended up moving after. She, graduate school, she ended up moving back to Chicago. We actually kind of had a long distance relationship going on for a couple of years. That makes two. If you um, if you listened to the earlier portion, Jeff and Carrie, Carrie was on mission for two years and they, uh, they had the old fashioned, you know, love letter tapes, phone call relationship that really built theirs. That time period, was it magical for you guys getting to yeah. know each other? And Yeah, it was a lot of phone calls. And I actually made, a, I flew a bunch of times out to Chicago to visit Cheryl and her family. You know, it was a little crazy. The other thing that was happening at the same time was I had just, after we started dating, I was living at home and actually moved out and moved into my own place. So I was living on my own for the first time, which was a whole new you know, was a new experience. We have a typical guy, two plates, two forks. Uh, yeah, yeah, cup. a lot of, well, but unfortunately <laughs> this was in, this was back in the nineties. So there was no, there was no Grubhub. There was no DoorDash, you know, there yeah. was no, but I did have a microwave, which I used extensively. Uh, <laughs> so I always ask, and you know, I always ask the ladies, Cheryl, tell us about the proposal. It actually happened in Boston. I had flown in to visit Tim. We were up eating cookies. <laughs> at my parents' house. At my in parents his house. parents' house. And then he popped the question. <laughs> so, and my parents were away, Anthony. This is, this is, this is gets funny. Because my parents at the time when I proposed to her, they were away on a cruise. So they had no idea this was going to, any of this was going to happen. We were eating one of these, uh, and you probably know these cookies, Anthony, if you know uh, Trader Joe's. Because you can get these at Trader Joe's. Every year, Trader Joe's has these, you can get these like big tins of Christmas cookies in there. Yes. All these different varieties. So it's like a, you know, four or five pound tin. Uh -huh. So I'd picked up one of these tins and we were just sitting there eating the cookies. And uh, I just out of the blue popped the question. I think Cheryl was a little surprised, but she said yes. And then the real surprise was I had to call my parents who were on this cruise and tell them, I said, I have some news for you. And they're like, what? And I'm like, well, I asked Cheryl to marry me. My mother was like, I think, kind of speechless. I mean, they'd met Cheryl, but, you know, they, they, I think they were still kind of stunned. So, so how did it segue back to Boston, Cheryl? How long did it, did it go on with uh, Chicago to Boston? Yeah. I mean, cause I think it was, uh, so once, once we decided to get married, then, you know, everybody had, Everybody, meaning my my mom, um, <laughs> had had uh, um, you know got involved in the planning of the wedding, and we 
talked about sort of where would we like to live and decided that we, you know, that I could come back to Boston. And yeah, so the wedding was in Chicago and it took, I don't know, nine months, maybe a year to, you know, planning and for me to finish out the program I was in. And then, then uh, we got married in Chicago. Um, it was a beautiful day. One of my, I, somebody I didn't know, one of the neighbors, as I was walking out to the the limousine to go to their church, started whistling, here comes the bride. So that was so cute. <laughs> yeah, that's cute. <laughs> um, and, it, and I mean, it was, it was hot and um, it wasn't, you know, we didn't have a really, I yeah, it was, really... it was, it was, this was uh, like the end of June, Anthony. So it was, it's pretty hot in Chicago at the end of June. And we um, got married in like an old church that didn't have air conditioning. So there were, <laughs> there were, there were, there were fans, but, um, but it was, it was, you know, I, all I remember is that it was really sunny and, and, and it was a fantastic day. So I don't remember what I ate. I mean, I, I know we, you know, when you're planning a wedding, there's so much like stuff that goes into talking about the cakes and the food and blah, blah. And I have no, I have no memory. I, I don't know. The other thing that was cool that we did was uh, we got the videographer to actually do some audio description for us for the final video, which was kind of nice, cool. you know, and it came out pretty good. I, we've got, we have to convert that video over to because it's a it's a VHS. We have to convert it over to uh, <laughs> to digital so we can watch it because we don't have a working VCR anymore. So I don't want to date anyone, but this was the early mid nineties. Ninety. This was ninety six. Ninety six. Yeah. Yeah. Ninety six. Awesome. Yeah. And I've got to say, I loved my wedding. The church was fantastic. The party was a lot of fun. I think everybody had a great time. I heard after we left, there might have been a limbo contest going on. So <laughs> people were having a good time. <laughs> Tim's cousin, Jeffrey, and his brother, uh, his then girlfriend, and, and our uh, niece and nephew, they performed the song they wrote for us called At the Vibug, right? Yeah, because Vibug was the name of the computer users group where we met. But the other thing you have to understand is Cheryl's background is Caribbean. So Caribbeans like to party. Way at, we left about 10 o'clock, I think, and the party yeah. was Yeah, and they were, I think they closed the place down. Like the people were like, go home. <laughs> <laughs> we're closing now. Go home. The bride and groom are gone. <laughs> Where'd you guys honeymoon? Oh, we didn't. A couple of years later, we actually went to Bermuda. That was our big trip. On our fifth, yeah, our fifth anniversary. Um, we decided that we we're going to, you know, go for a honeymoon. And then we went to Bermuda. The, the two blind people flying into Bermuda. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't. I'm into Bermuda sighted, so I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> well, what do we do with your man? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I mean, don't you just love the straightforwardness of the whole thing, you know? Yes. <laughs> there is no subtlety in Bermuda at all. <laughs> What you want, man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Cheryl, we know you're Caribbean. Um, Tim, you're Scottish, I believe. Oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mixture of things. I'm uh, Irish, English, 
I, you know, I have red hair. I'm very fair. So, you know, I, I become a lobster in the sun if I'm not, you know, if I'm not wearing, you know, sunscreen 2005. And the hat. And a hat. Yes. <laughs> Especially in Bermuda. <laughs> <laughs> so was there any family trepidation in the beginning? How did uh, how did your family skin along when you guys started dating and then especially when you were going to get married? So I I mean, if there was any issues around the racial difference, at least to me, nobody voiced them. But what was the big concern is uh, you're marrying a blind person. Mm. So that don't you want somebody who can help you? Yeah. 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 So. I don't know about you, Tim, but at least to me, nobody talked about the race stuff. No, nobody, nobody talked to me about it. And I actually asked my mom recently, you know, I said to her, how did you and dad feel about, you know, Cheryl and I getting married, figuring that she was going to say, she actually said they were actually very happy because, you know, they saw that I was happy and they really liked Cheryl. And, you know, the funny thing is about the, about the the race thing is we get more comments. I mean, like we would go somewhere to an airport, you know, and we get off the plane and, you know, you usually, there's somebody there to meet you and, you know, help you get from place to place. And the, the person would be like, you, you know, your friend is behind you. So they wouldn't even think that we were together or they wouldn't <laughs> think that we were a couple. Well, it happens on the train here, right? I mean, we get on we get on the train, and they're like, "Oh, oh, are you? Are, are is your friend coming too?" And yeah, and I usually say, "We're not friends; we're married." <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely something I wanted to ask because I, I wondered if you know at that time did you feel anything? Was there? You know, and it, I'm, I'm really actually happy to hear that it was more the blind thing than than uh, than the racial difference. And, and you know, we did talk about it because I wanted to make sure that, like, Tim, like, really understood. You know, I'm like, you do realize, right, that I'm Black, I'm Caribbean, <laughs> African-American, um, you know. Cause, and actually, at the time, I think I used to wear braids, right? Yeah, I, yeah, you did. Yeah, she wore braids. I was like, okay, this is who I am. You know, I really want you to understand. And we talked about that type of stuff among ourselves. But everybody, I mean, the immediate family, the, as I said, if, if they were concerned about the racial difference, they never spoke up about it. They sort of kept that, maybe they kept that to themselves. And I've got to say, um, Tim's family is a lot bigger than mine. And they have always been super welcoming. I mean, there, there's never been like, oh, we're going here and we're not so sure if you could come, Cheryl. I mean, I've always been, you know, whenever, if we've gotten together for something, I've always been super like welcomed and felt part of the, the, the family. So let's turn um, to ACB a little bit. When did you guys get involved together? Were you already involved in ACB when you met? Tell us a little about your journey, and, and we definitely want to touch on bits a little bit, Tim. But Yeah, I was involved not at the national level, but I was involved at the local level here in the in BSCB, Bay State Council for the Blind, probably since the 90s, probably since the earlier mid-90s. My first national convention was actually with Cheryl. It was the Louisville convention in, uh, what, what year was that? 
2000 maybe? No, no, it was after, you know, I think it was later. Yeah, it was later. So that was the first national convention that I'd been to. And I'd heard about national conventions, but I'd never gone because I didn't, usually I couldn't get the time off with my, you know, with my job and everything because it's, you know, it's basically a whole week. So that's how I got involved. I just tagged along. So I, I wasn't, I wasn't in, in any any group in particular, and uh, you know this is the thing that Tim was doing, and so I I just went. And then the next convention we went to was um, Columbus a couple years later, uh, and that was fun because that's where um, I did the um, zip lining. Zip lining. I did zip lining. She did it in in Louisville and I did it in Columbus. And the cool thing, Anthony, I don't know if you've ever zip lined. I have, yeah. Um, In Columbus, the way they did it was they strapped you in and you actually, you were lying on your stomach. So you really kind of felt like Superman. Yeah, you're the hanging one. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. And then in Costa Rica, it was amazing. Oh, that was so much fun. And uh, that was awesome. And then... A couple years after that, and unfortunately, Gabe wasn't on this cru- cruise, but we did the BPI cruise out of, uh, out Miami. of Miami to that the, was in it, yeah. the Caribbean. Yeah. Richard was on that cruise and um, uh, Scott Marshall and a whole bunch of people. So Jason, Jason was there, way, yeah. performed and everything. But can I say sort of locally, the Bay State Council of the Blind? I mean, I think, you know, we were sort of just, you know, we were just members. And over time, we got asked to help with planning meetings or planning, you know, contributing to the convention or, and then it was sort of bit by bit, we, I think we ended up getting more and more involved in different things locally. And then, and then nationally some things too. Yeah, but and now no. you're pretty active in bits, Tim. So, I mean, I've had a couple of different conversations over the last couple of weeks with uh, uh, various members, but also John McCann last week. So, tell us a little bit about bits and what- yeah, bits is fun. So, I'm on the I'm a, I'm right now on the board. The big thing that I that I do is I, I I'm on the um, the presentations committee. So we usually have one or two presentations a month. And as a matter of fact, next week we're going to be doing. Uh, We've got Eric Damery coming on to talk to us about the, all the new features in JAWS 2021, which is just oh, about to nice. be released. But yeah, we usually have a couple of those presentations a month. And then I usually, because you know about my audio editing skills or lack of. Uh, no, I, I definitely up, have them. <laughs> I end up editing the uh, those presentations. And you, you probably remember this, Anthony. I go back to the DOS days. So that's yeah. when I got my first computer was the year it was the late eighties. And of course the big thing, the big kind of crisis for blind people in the early nineties was when windows came out because blind people were like, Oh my God, how are we going to use this windows? Oh my God. Yeah. Navigate and, it and, and there was no more programming. It was yeah, no, at that point. No. Yeah. And how are we going to run the system? It's all visual. Uh-huh. And the thing that got me into windows was I found out that if I, switched over to windows, I could do audio editing. And so that's kind of the thing that kind of motivated me because you really couldn't do that in DOS. And so, you know, I got my first windows 95 computer and 
and then went from there. And then, of course, uh, I had applied for a job as a technology trainer. One of the questions they asked me, they said, well, do you do you use an iPhone? And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking I've got my little, you know, flip phone in my pocket here. <laughs> and I said, uh, no. And they said, well, if you want this job, you probably want to get one. So the next day I went out and got myself an iPhone and in about a month taught myself how to use it. And I got the job and, you know, I've never looked back. I love the iPhone. So it's pretty cool. It's amazing when I think as, as one of my friends used to say, if you had to pick a time in the world to be blind, this is probably oh, yeah. the best time to be a blind person because of the yeah. technology, because of the, all the access to, to reading material that we never had before. I mean, it's just, this is the best time to be around. So. I, I often say half in jest, but, but, you know, half in seriousness, if Helen Keller were alive today, she would probably be running for president. Yeah. <laughs> oh my you know, gosh. The, yes. The yes. determination, the, you know, the, <sighs> everything that she accomplished and achieved, she'd probably be running for president. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's switch gears, Cheryl. Um, I know that you are uh, the darling of BPI. You brought us some great material recently, but um, you're also very active with MCAC. What um, what are you guys working on now? What's and uh, and um, how proud are you of the series of conversations that you guys offered up? Oh my gosh, I am so excited to be a member of MCAC. I've worked on issues around diversity and inclusion for many, many years, you know, definitely when it wasn't in vogue. I know what it's like to be sort of the, the voice in the wilderness. You know, you're saying, hey, this is an important topic. And people are like, well, that's interesting, but, you know, keep doing what you're doing and <laughs> we'll just keep moving <laughs> along over here. I mean, we recently had a call with the membership committee talking about ways to do outreach to members from different ethnic and racial communities. It was an absolutely fantastic call because the other members of MCAC all shared information, which I think it was practical and at the same time driven different. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. it was different information that I think people have heard, but it was also really practical things to think about and, you know, to try to help get us off this sort of position where it's like, Oh, but we, we tried that once and it didn't work. And so we're not going to do it anymore. So I, I would encourage anybody who is still interested in, you know, how do we, um, make sure that our chapters are really reflective of the communities around us, that they should listen to that uh, presentation. We've done, throughout the years, we've done community forums. We're sort of thinking about what the next one would do, would, would look like. We've also done where we've read books and then have book discussions. And we, we haven't yeah. selected a new book as yet, but we're working on that. Um, and I, I know something is supposed to be happening for with uh, leadership in February, but I haven't heard anything about that as yet. We're definitely continuing on. And Sunday edition will definitely bring that information. Um, you know, we'll do, we'll do an hour on the show about it close to leadership. Oh, that'd be great. So you also are very well known for cooking in the dark and, and all the fun that went around that. 
but you've recently started a new project. Do you want to plug that a little bit here on Sunday edition? Oh, that'd be, thank you. Yes. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I have this this little podcast that I've uh, that I started started in 2019 called Blind Minority Life, and it just grew out of my curiosity and I thought a gap in information. So curiosity in the sense as a you know black woman who was blind sort of really wanting to know and hear about what other people of other ethnic and racial communities you know what were their lives like i mean who are they where are they what are they doing and feeling that there there isn't at least i couldn't find it I mean, there wasn't any place I could go to to sort of gather that information or to be, you know, to to hear those types of stories. Thank goodness for Tim, because couldn't do this without him. Um, <laughs> you know, I started sort of interviewing people in the multicultural MCAC, and I'm totally open to um, hearing from others. And so that I think over time, I'd love to have yeah, you know, a great collection of information from people of diverse backgrounds talking about their lives as as folks who are blind. Because I think there are tons of similarities of our experiences as individuals who are blind. But I think there are, there's also there can be some differences. And I think there's value in hearing what those are and understanding mm-hmm. those because I think it can then, and I would hope over time, it could influence leaders' sort of understandings of like maybe what some of the policy priorities should be and where should we be sort of putting our, our resources. But, but for now, it's just, it's just wanting to gather stories of people whose voices are not normally or usually heard. And the latest uh, podcast, she has a very nice interview with uh, our BPI president, Anthony. Yes, I, I was very impressed. I heard two episodes, um, and I want to go back for more. You have a great style about how you um, lead through lives and lead through uh, situations, emotions, et cetera, et cetera. So um, um, tell the folks where they can find it. Um, and how they can reach you if they if they think their story is is right for it's lipson.com slash blind minority life but actually if you look in any it's on apple podcast so if you have a podcatcher any kind of podcatching That's how I found it, that yeah. you're using just do a search for blind minority life and it will it will uh it will come up and you want to give them your email address and if you'd like to send me an email um, you can use C S Cummings. It's C U M I N G S at Comcast.net. The thing I'm interested in is I want to hear everybody's story. I just I'm just interested in in sort of your life. You don't have to be you know a, a board member or a director. Um, you just have to be somebody who is blind and who identifies as a member of a ethnic or racial minority group. I know you guys have listened to other editions of the other couple shows. So now is the time for us to have a little fun. 
I want to start off. Um, if you guys have not been on any of the karaoke nights, you are definitely missing a treat. Mr. Tim himself has an amazing voice. He's done some uh, Sinatra and stuff. Uh, Cheryl, has he ever sung for you? Like, just for you? Every once in a while, he, he breaks down and he pulls out the guitar and I get a song or two. <laughs> any favorite song of any favorite song of him doing that you you know absolutely go gaga for? Uh, he sang, um, and I love you so. I mean, it's it was just beautiful. I was like, oh, I didn't know you could play that on guitar. <laughs> now, can the redheaded white boy salsa? <laughs> Uh, no, I I do not salsa. Cheryl's actually Cheryl's a, a pretty good salsa person. I am not. Uh, but I, but you have you have joined me when I've asked you to dance. I have, I have, yes. I have. He hasn't said like no, no. Yeah. <laughs> You're on your own. <laughs> so. Well, Cheryl, next convention we definitely have to go out salsa dancing. <laughs> oh my gosh, that'll be so much fun. What kind of uh, what kind of movies do you guys get into? Are you more? Uh, let me ask this first. Are you more books, movies, series? What um what do you guys really like to get into? Um, so we well we 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 do a lot of Netflix. We're big um, DVS fans. A couple of years ago in Boston, they had and I forget, maybe it was was it four or five years ago, they actually one of the theaters during around the time of the Oscars. Oscars. Yeah ran a two-day marathon in which they showed all the oscar movies that had been nominated with audio description and we we actually were there for one of the days so we were there for like seven from, or eight hours yeah it like, was like from breakfast they built like, in like a lunch break and a dinner break and we watched several movies yeah it like, was, it was wow, a lot of fun so that was really fun so. in, ter in terms of books um i i read a lot of nonfiction stuff because that's what i like and cheryl reads a lot of i'm um, big into the trashy, trashy romances and mist and mysteries um yes but but i'm part of a book club because i realized that one should should not probably exist only on trashy romances and mystery novels so the book it's a all ladies book club we're all um legally blind it's really cool so people choose books and you get, you know, I, I love it because they push me out of the the type of book I would just pick up no, on my own. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a yeah. lot. So, yeah, no, there's so I, many things in the world. I mean, there, there are too many books, too many movies. I have to force myself to to broaden my horizons. I love biographies and, and I like you. I love the the, uh, the mystery novels. And and I'm not ashamed to admit it. I love me a trashy romance. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and when you can get the two of them together, like you know, authors, of course, like Nora Roberts. I mean, you know, the yes. series that she puts out tend to be, you know, a little bit more. Um, you know, she does a lot of ghost or uh, supernatural influences. But then, you know, some of the, you know, some of the standalone novels are just plain hot but trashy right uh, and, right and i love me some janet ivanovich oh um, my gosh yes <laughs> what's the name of the, the character from new jersey stephanie uh, plum yes. and her psychic lula <laughs> oh my gosh i mean lula is hilarious i mean it just i don't know 
it's yes. it's fun. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and then now now of course we have podcasts, which just oh. I don't know, just sort of complicates the world. <laughs> yes, and I, I unfortunately I'm really behind on my podcast right now because all I listen to for the mm -hmm. last like month and a half are you know New York Times, uh, Washington Post, and everything surrounding the election. But I I want to get back to some of my podcasts too. What's uh what's what's a favorite of yours? Um, I just learned about ninety nine percent invisible. Oh um, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've I've enjoyed that one. Um, and I listened to 30, is it 30 for 30? It's, it's a podcast that I started listening to because they had stories about sports, but, you know, sports presented for like the non-sporty person. Um, oh, <laughs> so I, I was listening to those. Um, in a minute, you do. Oh, yes, yeah, Sam Sanders in a minute. Yeah, like in a minute too. Yeah. So those, those How are. How about you, Tim? I listen to a lot of. Um, oh, um, just spit it out! It's audio what? editing. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> a lot of um, the podcast and engineering show, which is a guy who talks. He just he has somebody different on his show every week who talks about basically all the equipment they have, and I get to drool over. Say, oh, I want one of those ten thousand dollar microphones, but I know where I'm not going to have one. So, um, I, I, you know, I've got so many. The problem is, I don't have time to list. I've got to go through and clean out my cache because I know. Oh, there's one called The Truth, which is kind of like modern audio dramas, which is really good. The PBS show Frontline has a podcast, and when they, a lot of times when they do their stuff uh, and they port it over to the podcast, they'll actually put in audio description, which is really kind of cool. So. Nice. I yeah. gotta check what that about out. The BBC? Uh, BBC documentary. That's one I'd recommend too. And I'll just throw a plug in for Know Your Narrator. Um, Roy Samuelson does oh, a really great nice. job with that podcast. And of course, uh, Brian Charlson and Carl Richardson have uh, the ADP podcast that is blanking uh, the actual name on. Uh, yes. On yes. Here. Yeah. That's, that's a, yeah. yeah. I want to just yeah. throw a plug in because I've really enjoyed, uh, I think there are four episodes in now, but um, I've really enjoyed it. And, and for, to let everybody know, of course, pride, pride connection is now a podcast that's available. So absolutely. And um, who is our audio engineer? Oh, this guy named Tim Cummings. Yeah. This guy. <laughs> he's, yeah. He's from the hinterland somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> So I've been asking my couples um, on this show, and, and I, I rotate the questions every month to be a little bit different, but if each of you could give us something that you have learned about yourself from being with the other. Uh, I would say for me that I ha I've learned from Cheryl to how to be more patient. You know, sometimes I can get annoyed at things, but I've learned to kind of slow down. Cheryl and I are very, um, she's an introvert. I'm an extrovert. I'm a morning person. She's not a morning person. But I, I would say I've I've definitely learned uh, to be more patient and just to chill out a lot more and not let things stress me out. So that's what I'd say. And, and I would actually say to be more outgoing because he's right. I am. <laughs> by form an introvert and sort of a quiet person and somebody who would so much prefer to read a book. <laughs> we use Lyft here a lot, but this is the difference. So I'll get into a Lyft car and by the end of the ride, I will know like the whole driver's history and how many kids he has. And I mean, I'll come home with a whole report. 
Cheryl gets in the lift. She gets out of the lift. She does, she's forgotten the guy's name. Because <laughs> she's just like, don't talk to me. I want to read my book. <laughs> well, okay, yes, probably. Except occasionally. Occasionally. No, occasionally. I, I will. Uh, there's somebody, she, and, and they seem really sort of cool or something, and I, I, and I, and this is where the extrovert thing she kicks from into Tim, Tim mode. She kicks and I, into Tim and mode. I do actually ask questions, right? And, and yeah, no, yeah. you do, you do, yeah, yeah, but yeah, but normally, no, no questions. So, I'm going to throw one more fun one at you guys. What is something that you think would surprise Sunday edition listeners about each other? And Cheryl, why don't you go first? Something totally surprising about Tim. Oh. He loves to sleep. <laughs> I, t- I, t- I do. So far. No. Hands down. No, I do. He I, loves to sleep. This is, I tell Cheryl all the time and I'm, I'm half joking, but I'm really not. I say, you know, my favorite piece of furniture in the house is the bed. I do. I do. I do love to sleep. I really, I just, you know, I don't think we, I don't think we ever get enough sleep, Anthony. I'm, I'm going to start a campaign. I absolutely agree with you, but not on the actual loving to sleep part. I wish that I could love to sleep. I wish that I could, you know, have that classic eight hours every day. But your turn, Mr. Tim, something really, really surprising about Cheryl. Well, I think this is this this will surprise you, Cheryl. Actually really likes to sing and in fact she she got so interested in this that she's actually started and she's been doing it for about a year now she's actually taking voice lessons over the internet and she has a great teacher and she's really having a blast what kind of material do you like the most cheryl oh we've been doing like contempt well not super contemporary but you know sort of pop tunes i i like to maybe do you know some some like church things like maybe like but uh maria ave maria ave maria yes but they're they're different versions of it i i would be contented to learn all versions (laughs) (laughs) i i have a very patient teacher and um i am i am enjoying it it's fun on that note, it has, you know, in the in the in that other podcast, Leah is also often fond of saying, time is a cruel mistress. And uh, we are running just about out of it today. But when you hear this Sunday at 1 to 3 p.m., this will have been edited this week as a favor because I am at a board meeting by Tim himself. I would like to thank you so much for that and for all that you do, Tim. Tim and Cheryl, thank you so much for coming on and sharing and having some fun with us. This really was a great conversation. And all in all, it's been a great show. Janet and Terry, Carrie and Jeff, Tim and Cheryl, thank you so much for coming on Sunday Edition. I'll be back next Sunday talking about shopping for the holidays with Ira and a couple of other great surprises. See you next Sunday. You've been listening to Sunday edition with Anthony on ACB Radio Mainstream. For more information, questions, comments, feedback, suggestions, etc., please email celebration AC. That's the word celebration with the letters AC at AOL.com. 
Look forward to hearing from you and let's brunch again next Sunday 